Hey, Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10. Thank you, team. And I know the, uh, the ladies made it back from the women's retreat last night. They enjoyed their time, and uh, I know God worked in their lives. And, and uh, if you're a lady looking to go next year, I encourage you to be already planning for that. And the guys, we leave this Friday, so be praying for us. And if you've signed up for that, we'll be in contact with you this week about that schedule. Um, also be praying for those impacted by tornadoes. This past week, I know OBU got hit um, pretty good this week, and so just be praying for all those impacted by that. Uh, but again, over the next several weeks, we're, we're looking at discipleship, and what is discipleship? Well, this word simply means to follow, um, specifically to follow someone as your teacher, as your master, to follow their teachings and their way of life, to conform yourself to the image of that person. Thus, Christian discipleship is us following Jesus as our master, following his teachings and his way of life and conforming um, ourselves into the image of Jesus in every way of life. But what I want to specifically look at in this series is what prevents us right now today in our culture in this modern time, what prevents us from Christian discipleship what's preventing the modern self from having communion with him fellowship with him abiding in him living in him walking in him obeying him what is hindering us from christian discipleship deep communal prayer scripture reading and meditation Iron sharpening iron with one another, confessing sins to one another, spurring one another on to love and good works. What prevents discipleship in the modern self? Well, we're going to look at several ideas over these next couple of weeks. Um, Last week, our first installment, we saw that Christian discipleship following Jesus requires us leaving the prison of yes. Christian discipleship, following Jesus, requires leaving, turning from the prison of yes to the freedom of no. Leave the prison of yes and turn to the freedom of no. Remember, Jesus is calling us from something to something. And our culture promises yes to everything. You can have it all. You can have your cake and eat it too. Anything you want, however you want, whenever you want, you can have it all. But yes to everything leads to a kind of prison where we have everything, we have nothing. We love everything, we hate it all. Whereas to say no to self, to deny self, as Jesus would say, leads to a kind of freedom, a kind of saving of yourself. This world and this culture cannot offer that. Thus, overall, we saw last week that the Christian discipleship is in contradiction to the modern self and the modern culture. And we'll continue to see that truth throughout the series, Encounters with Jesus Discipling the Modern Self. Today, what I want us to see is that we must leave the high-production, high-performance lifestyle image and choose Jesus. If we're to follow Jesus in the current context, this culture, this modern world, then we must leave the high production, high performance lifestyle image and choose Jesus. 
In the classic children's book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, I know many of you have read this. What happens in the story is a boy gives a cookie to a mouse. This is a nice mouse, by the way. Mice, we know, are from, the, from satanic kind of thing, but this is a different kind of mouse. A boy gives a cookie to a mouse, and the mouse asks then for a glass of milk. He then requests a straw to drink the milk. And after that, he asks for a mirror to avoid a milk mustache, you know. And after that, after he has his mirror, he then asks for nail scissors to trim his hair as he's looking at himself in the mirror. Well, after that, he then asks for a broom, because then he obviously has to sweep up his hair trimmings. And after that, he asks to take a nap, because he's tired from all of that. And as he's asking to take a nap, he then asks a story to be read to him. And as he's having the story read to him, it reminds him that he wants to draw a picture from something in the story. And after he draws a picture, he then asks to hang the drawing on the refrigerator. Well, looking at the refrigerator there to hang his picture, it makes him thirsty. So he asks for a glass of milk. And the entire circle is complete when, with that glass of milk, he asks for a cookie. Many of us in this room, and if not us, most in our culture, the modern self, generally speaking often feels, in a way it seems, that we're just running in one big circle. We go from here to here to here to here to here, all the way back to where it all began. Over and over and over again, just running in one big circle, like a mouse stuck on a wheel. And as a result, many of us often feel, right now, overburdened. It's a word that we'll see pop up in today's text. Overburdened. And the fruit of being overburdened is anger, anxiety, and a troubled spirit. And sadly, in today's context, it has become normal, almost expected to be overburdened. Why? Well, for several reasons. But at the heart of it, our culture has produced an image. One that Mark Sayers, pastor, cultural commentator, would call a high-production high-performance, lifestyle kind of image. One that might even rival King Nebuchadnezzar's image before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One you must bow down to. One you must give your life to. So think of things like the Industrial Revolution over the last few hundred years. Think of Ford's assembly line, something like a hundred years ago. Think of the internet just decades ago. Think of things like social media only years ago, artificial intelligence and deepfakes seemingly just minutes ago. Such events, inventions, trends, productions, or movements, coupled with so many other factors and variables, have had massive influence in producing this high-production, high-performance lifestyle image. And you say, well, yeah, so what? Well, all of this has radically altered and transformed and shaped the modern self, you and me. How we see the world. How we interact with each other. How we approach our daily lives. The modern self is now driven as it, been, 
as if being driven by a slave driver, driven to live up to and to imitate this forever fluid, evolving, high production, high performance lifestyle image. In all things, it says, you must produce perfection. In all things, you must perform perfectly. It doesn't matter if we're talking career or education or relationships or marriage or family or personal appearance. This high production, high performance lifestyle image is expected and demanded of you, the modern self. And whether we like it or not, what ends up happening is we internalize this pressure to bow down to, to give ourselves wholly to that image. Meaning, we tell ourselves, consciously or subconsciously, oh man, I have to tend to all the notifications. I have to get to all the emails, all the bills, the news, the projects, the activities and events, the ball schedules, the trips, the functions, the fundraisers, the kids, the grandkids, the hobbies, the vacations. I have to dress this way. I have to speak this way. I have to look this way. I have to post this way. This is how I have to be, etc., etc., etc. And all we're doing is going in one big circle over and over again like a mouse caught on a wheel. And within that internalization, we tell ourselves, we actually believe that if we don't produce perfection and perform perfectly, then there must be something wrong, not with the image being thrown at us, but with ourselves. There's something wrong with me. I can't live up to it. So there must be something wrong with me. So we become overburdened, like the Israelites under the weight of Egypt. Therefore, we become angry, angry at each other, angry at God, angry at the culture. We become anxious. We become a person with a troubled spirit, fruit from an overburdened life. So it leaves us asking a question, what do we do? How do we end the madness? How do we get out of the circle? How do we leave the nets and follow Jesus? How do we leave the tax collector's booth and follow Jesus? How do we leave the boat and follow Jesus? How do we leave the legalism and follow Jesus? How do we leave the image-driven religion and follow Jesus? How do we leave the prison and follow Jesus? To answer the question, we have to look at this famous passage in Scripture in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. It's an encounter with Jesus in the house of Martha. And the reason we have to look at this particular passage is because our situation is quite like Martha's in Luke chapter 10. Turns out the modern self is as old as time. Verse 38, Luke chapter 10. This is what we read. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary. These are the two sisters of Lazarus, who you know who was raised from the dead. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. She was busy with much serving, many things. And so she goes up to Jesus and she says, Lord, 
Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So here we are, Jesus enters a village, most likely Bethany, with a group of his followers, his close disciples, and he goes to the house of Martha. As we learn in John's gospel, Jesus loved this family dearly, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He goes to the house of Martha, and there Martha welcomes them in. And then she proceeds to do what you and I would proceed to do in this moment, seeks to try and satisfy the expectations placed upon her by herself or the culture in that day, which is this, be a good host. Be a good host. You got company in your house, be a good host. But it's much more than that. According to one commentary, per the custom of the day, guests deserved every possible courtesy. Whatever they need, however they need it, make sure you get it. Meaning, as a host, produce perfection. Perform perfectly. That's the expectation. That's the demand. Come on, Martha. You must live up to the image. You don't want to let anyone down, do you? You don't want people to think that there's a problem with you. That it's too much for you that you can't handle it, that you're not good enough, come on up, Martha, live up to the image. And thus we see her busy, 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 distracted, distracted, distracted. But then we see Mary, her sister, is not running in circles. Mary, her sister, is sitting at the feet of not just anyone, but at the feet of Jesus. We see Mary mentioned specifically three times in the scriptures, right here in verse 39, John eleven thirty-two, 32, and John 12, 3. Each time, Mary happens to find herself at the feet of Jesus. Not running, not a mouse caught on a wheel running in a circle, just sitting in the presence of Jesus. So Martha comes and she complains. She interrupts this little scene that's happening. And she bickers and she demands. She's angry. And she's anxious. And she's troubled as we find out. Because Jesus then said something that is remarkable. He evaluates the external situation. He knows the external expectations. He evaluates the external disposition of Martha. Her just running about, running about, running about. And then he proceeds to address the internal reality of Martha's spirit. He goes from the surface to beneath the surface. And he says, Martha, Martha. Martha, stop. Look at me, Martha. You, Martha, are anxious 
You're troubled. You're overburdened about many things. But don't you recognize that only one thing is necessary, only one thing is needed? Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken from her. So here's two sisters, Jesus before them, and these two sisters had a choice. What do I do with Jesus? That's the choice. Martha didn't choose Jesus. She chose the high production, high performance lifestyle image that was driven by an internal pressure to live up to a personal or cultural expectation and demands. The result was she was overburdened. Out of her state of being overburdened, she's angry. She's angry at her sister. She's angry at Jesus. And as Jesus reveals, she's full of anxiety. She has this troubled spirit. She's overburdened. Why? Well, it had nothing to do with the external. She internally chose the image over Jesus. And the fruit of that choice is always the reality of an overburdened life. And the fruit is naturally and almost always anger and anxiety and a troubled spirit. He said, well, yeah, but Martha was just trying to be a good host. She had good intentions. The problem is, is despite her intentions, she becomes so entangled in living up to the never able to live up to image that she neglected the most important thing. Jesus. Not the food. Not the expectations of others. Jesus. Thus she chose her business, her distraction with many things, over Jesus. And the modern self does this all the time. Because the expectations and the pressures of this high production, high performance lifestyle image, the expectations and the pressure is that to be a part of the culture, you must be busy and active in the culture. You have no time for Jesus, let alone discipleship, actually following him in every respect of life. And so we buy into this busyness, this distraction, despite our intentions. And so the busier we become, we wear our busyness around like a badge of honor. We'll jam-pack our schedules with this event and that event, with work. We'll enroll our kids or grandkids into every possible activity you can imagine. And when people ask, hey, how's life? We say, man, it's busy. I do this all the time. But we say it almost with a smile, right? Yeah, it's busy, but I'm doing things. I'm being active in the culture. I'm living the dream. But the problem is, we so often are entangled in busyness, wearing it around like a badge of honor, that we neglect the need, the one thing that's necessary. Jesus. Thus, despite intentions, we never actually just stop and just sit at the presence and the feet of Jesus. And you and I must realize that if we substitute Jesus for the high production, high performance lifestyle image, then our busyness in the culture, no matter our intentions, won't just keep us from discipleship. It will become a curse, not a blessing. As Socrates once said, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Or 
Or as Warren Wiersbe would say, unless we meet Christ personally and privately each day, we will soon end up like Martha in this particular moment, busy but not blessed. Internally, despite her intentions, that's the thing, internally, Jesus flips this. He goes beneath the surface. Internally, despite her external intentions, she becomes so entangled in living up to this never-able-to-live-up-to image that she neglected Jesus, choosing her business with many things over Jesus. Thus, she was overburdened. Thus came this anger, lashing out at her sister in front of everybody and Jesus. As Meryl Unger said, overwork for the Lord, coupled with underworship of him, this is true of individuals and churches and denominations. Overwork for the Lord, coupled with underworship of Him, results not only in criticism of others who work for the Lord, but even of the Lord Himself. And we might still say, yeah, but wait a moment. Martha's busyness is focused on actually serving the Lord. And that's interesting. Because at the beginning of this chapter in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72. He sends out the 72 to represent him. And then right before these verses, he tells them a story to illustrate how they're to imitate him. So this entire chapter, he sent them out to represent him, and he's also told them a story to how to imitate him. And coming on the coattails of these is the Martha situation, where we learn What good is it to represent him? What good is it to imitate him? What good is it to serve him apart from him? As Moses would once say, Lord, if you're not going with us, we don't want to go. Because what what matters is that we are with you and you with us. It's as though Jesus is telling Martha, 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 without me you can do nothing. You can't bear the fruit of the Spirit. You'll just keep bearing the fruit of the world. Anger, anxiety, a troubled spirit. Come, Martha. Choose the better option like your sister. It's like the better portion of a a piece of steak. As Wearsby said, what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. So what we learn is that you can be busy doing things for the Lord. But if you're not with the Lord, then your busy life will turn out barren, unfruitful in the end. Just a mask covering up the reality that all you really have been doing is bowing down to this false image that says, Give me high production, high performance at all costs, even if that cost is Jesus himself. And you know what's interesting along the same point is that this story, again, finds itself right after not just any story, but the Good Samaritan story. And I find that interesting because there was a research study produced in the Princeton University paper back in 1973 about an experiment that was conducted by Darley and Batson. The experiment aimed at uncovering the major difference between the Samaritan and the Good Samaritan story 
and the religious fellows, why didn't they stop? Why didn't they imitate Jesus in this particular situation? And one of the things they wanted to look at is maybe busyness was one of their excuses. We're never told. But they wanted to explore it. So subjects in this experiment were students at Princeton Theological Seminary. And as each student, or as each subject arrived, he was informed that he was to give a talk that would be recorded in another building across campus. Well, along the way, as they leave that place to go across campus to give their talk, along the way, the subject encountered a victim. Somebody planted there. This victim was slumped in a doorway. The question was, what, was under what conditions would a subject stop to help the victim? Some of the subjects were told they were late to their meeting. And they should hurry. Hurry, hurry, hurry. you got to get there. Some were told they had just enough time to get to the room. And some were told that they would arrive early. You have plenty of time. Well, 63% of the subjects that were in no hurry stopped to help. 63%. 45% of those in moderate hurry mode stopped. And of those who were told, you're late, you need to hurry, 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 get on your way, only 10% of them stopped. What it sought to reveal is that when we become entangled in this busyness, the irony is we not only miss out on Jesus, we miss out on actually doing things for Jesus. So when we become entangled in busyness, trying to satisfy the expectations and the pressure produced by this high production, high performance lifestyle image, the irony is we will not only miss out on Jesus, but doing things for Jesus. It turns out we'll only be serving ourselves. So beware the barrenness of a busy life, Jesus might tell Martha. So again, what do we do? Well, that was Martha's choice. What do we do is we avoid Martha's choice. And instead, we follow Mary's example. Notice what Mary said in her words. Or notice what Martha had said in her words. Mary had left her. Implying that she had once been right there with her. You and I have to leave the high production, high performance lifestyle image, and we have to choose Jesus at whatever cost. Mary left that lifestyle image, regardless of the consequences. She chose Jesus before the many things. She resisted the high production, high performance lifestyle. In its place, she chose a lifestyle at the feet of Jesus. And what Jesus is saying here is she made the best choice, the most needed choice. Thus, Mary is not a picture of anger. She's not a picture of anxiety. She's not a picture of a troubled spirit. Rather, she's a picture of peace and rest. Holy content at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is telling her that peace and rest would not be taken from her. So you and I, too, have a choice. Mary or Martha. Who or what will we seek first? 
Jesus or the culture's high production, high performance lifestyle image that demands we turn from Jesus in order to tend to our many things. We must make the best choice. We must choose Jesus before and above anything, anyone, and everything else. That's what it means to follow him. That's discipleship. We must choose Jesus. That is the good portion. That is what will not be taken from us. I want to close with this. I don't have the words on the screen. I just want you to listen. It comes in Haggai chapter 1. This was written long, long ago, but see if it applies to the modern self. Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about how you spend your time, your resources, your relationships, your days. Consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvested little. You eat and you eat, but you never have enough. You just drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. It's just fleeting. So thus says the Lord, consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood, and build a house, that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much. You just kept going and going, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, whatever you brought home, thinking you had something, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you just busies himself with his own house. In other words, because you were Martha in this particular situation. Busying yourself with yourself, neglecting me. Martha, Martha, modern self, modern self. You're anxious and you're troubled about many things. You're overburdened and the fruit of that is you're angry, you're anxious and you're troubled. But only one thing is necessary and if you would get it, listen to it. Mary has chosen the good portion And it won't be taken from her. She chose Jesus. So be like Mary. Leave the high production, high performance lifestyle image. And choose the good portion. Choose Jesus. At whatever cost. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward. We're going to have a time of response. And some of us, many of us, if we're being honest... We've made life about a lot of things, despite intentions, we've been neglecting Jesus. And as a result, we're angry, we're anxious, we're troubled. But Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, whatever your name is, behold the example of Mary. She's chosen the good portion. The question is, will you choose the good portion? For those who do, it won't be taken from them. They'll find rest and peace and joy that this culture promises but can't deliver. So the invitation is just to come and sit at the feet of Jesus. Wherever it is the Lord's doing with your heart, whatever decision you've got to make, and be obedient.
Father, we come to you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, the hope, new life that you give us in Christ. Lord, we live in a world with all sorts of temptations and deceptions. So many things to pull on the desires of the flesh. The modern self is the same self that was in the garden that day, that took of the fruit. Lord, you call us to leave that, to leave that something, and to follow you. To new life, to a new way of thinking, to a new way of acting and reacting, to a new way of speaking, to a new way of life. But Father, it begins by sitting at your feet and complete surrender. Help us to leave that high production, high performance, lifestyle image being thrown at us every day, every minute, every second. Help us to not internalize it and then to put all this pressure upon ourselves. We're so overburdened to live up to something that's fluid and always changing. Help us to come sit at your feet. Deliver us from that prison and help us find rest and peace with you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with us as we sing this song. The invitation is, whatever decision you have to make, church membership, salvation, baptism, you just want to pray. These steps are open. I'll be down here if you need to talk with me during this time.